Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have a Q&A, as always, on Friday, and we're going to dive into some, honestly, this was kind of like a, uh, a wild tangent episode in a way. We had very broad questions and I was able to kind of take them in different directions. So you're going to hear some ranting, but I think it's educational rants. I think you guys are going to like that because it gives me a chance to have free reign with what I want to teach, how I want to go about the answer and provide a lot of value. Um, But I think you're going to learn a lot about how to create the ultimate experience with any type of online coaching or training and how to periodize your diet better Um, and just some random talks about mindset that me and Travis had today. If you like this episode, make sure you do me a huge favor. Head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. If you want to support us and the podcast, that would be great as well as heading over to topnotchnutrition.com slash discounts slash boom boom or click the link in the show notes. You can save 10 to 15% off any of their supplements, I highly recommend you guys go check them out. And last but not least, do me a favor and share this on Instagram or with a friend. You can tag me on your story and I will share it on mine or just simply send it to a friend so they can learn from us as well. We would appreciate it. Without any further ado, let's get on to the episode. All right, another Q&A. I don't know, like, we got like a new setup going on, so I don't know if I'm out of the frame here or if I'm in the frame here. I think you're you're in. I think I am too. I hope so. I, I feel... I kind of feel like we're trying to copy Joe a little bit because that's where I got it. Because when Shannon was talking about... A lot of other people do it this way too, so not just I don't watch. I literally... I don't think I've ever watched a podcast on YouTube except Joe's. Really? Yeah, and the only reason I've even watched Joe's on YouTube is because I can pull it up on my TV. Yeah. I'd never do it on my phone or anything like that or my computer. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I just don't like them. But we we also had had a request from a guy... I don't remember where he's from, but he basically was like, can you please start putting all the podcasts on YouTube? Because I don't speak English, but I can set my my subtitles on YouTube. And he's not the first guy that said this to me. Like, he was the first guy that said, can you put all of them on there? Yeah. And I said, it's not as simple as just throwing yeah. them all on there because there's like a whole editing process. Some of them we don't film. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. Like, there's dudes that don't even speak English putting subtitles on the podcast so they can learn from us. Can you turn his Spotify into his... Oh my god! Into Spanish? I don't think they do that. I mean, how's he listening to your podcast then? YouTube. That's what I'm saying. He only listens on YouTube, and there's like subtitles mm. on our Q and As, or the interviews. Actually, you could set your phone. I guarantee you can set your iPhone to speak Spanish. Yeah, but they're not going to translate my voice on Spotify into Spanish in like Siri's voice. You know, yeah. maybe someday. I don't know. Maybe they already do and you don't know. Yeah, maybe they do. But I thought that was pretty damn cool. But yeah, like I wanted basically that's why I did this. This is yeah. the only person I've ever seen with that angle. Yeah. And it looks sick. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, we're going to start off um, our first question with Michelle Barbrett. She says, I started a, a cut about two months ago implementing two consecutive refeed, de- refeed days each week. My weight stayed pretty stable and would barely tick down every every now and then. 
I was very uh, frustrated in knowing that if I was eating too much or too little. This past week, the scale seems to finally be dropping every day. I've lost as much in the last week I have in the past two months. Nice. Which is super exciting, but the problem is my biofeedback markers are tanking. Why did my body hold on, on so bad, then finally let go at about the time I need to take a break? Now I'm scared to take a break because I'm worried I won't see progress again for two months. Thought, thoughts on why this happened and if there's something I could be doing differently, see the progress sooner or more consistently. So basically, she went to maintenance and then she tried to do a cut and it didn't work. Is that's, what she's what, that's what's saying, yeah. Did she say what calories she dropped to? No. So that's the first question I would have. So there's a few things that come to my mind. Number one, there was more to this question for those listening. Um, she said she was 40 years old. She has a long, not the best dieting history, which is always kind of a red flag. Mm-hmm. Hormones. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, just stress. Like yeah. if you're if you're putting your body through a diet for that long, it's going to be accumulated stress. I find that people who have that long history of dieting typically have like a worse response to a diet down the road because their body's just more stubborn. Sure. Their body almost is like, this is not scientifically sound <laughs> what I'm going to say, but it's almost like their body's putting up a defense, right? It just doesn't want to work with you. Um, and I think psychologically they have a harder time too. It's harder to stick to a diet because you feel more restrictive if you have that diet, his dieting history. Um, so I, I mean, I would probably guess that you just she wasn't recovered fully before she jumped on the diet. You know, that's why we have this, this three phase periodization yep. system in the coaching. It's like, we take you through a priming phase, then we go through a progressive phase and then we go through a recovery phase. And those never change no matter what, who it is, because we have to prepare you. We have to push you and then we have to try to recover you. But what she did is a very long drawn out progressive phase, a long history of poor dieting. Then she said, what, three months. Yeah. She reverse dieted to maintenance. I don't know if she said that in the part before the, section you read or not but i think she said three months to maintenance she just said it for a few months a few months so let's say it is three yep maybe even four or five and she gets to maintenance and then she stayed there for two months and she tried jumping diet i just don't think it's long enough too quick yeah i think that and then you got to think about this too it's like okay if you reverse dieted for three months was that actually just three more months you were in a deficit because if your maintenance is 2000 and you finish the diet at 1200, but it took you three months to get all the way back up to 2000, that's another three months of just less of a deficit, yeah. but it's still a deficit. For so sure. it's still stress. Um, so I just don't, and I think this is the hardest part for people is they don't take long enough in any one phase. They want to diet super fast and they want to reverse diet super fast or re- realistically they want to reverse diet pretty slow but that's not always the best because yeah. then you're drawing it out. Um, but they want to like, as soon as they hit maintenance, they're there for like a week or two and they're like, all right, let's go. Let's diet. Yeah. So um, I've even read from, I'm trying to think. So you of say what, a week or two, should it be four weeks or like you said, three months, like three months. Yeah. So that's what I was like. I, I can't remember what book it was, but, uh, and again, this is just, this is, there's science to back it up, but it's more anecdote from this person's perspective and their, in their coaching experience. And I would agree to an extent, they were saying one to 1.5 times as long as you dieted. Okay. So if you dieted for six months, 24 weeks, your reverse diet, your maintenance phase needs to be at least 24 weeks. If not, 36. Wow. Yeah. Um, so if it's six months, it might be six to nine months of reverse dieting maintenance. I think that is more geared towards high-level athletes, and that's what their background is, this for coach sure. that recommended that. Because if you're a high-level athlete, you're taking each stressor – cutting, bulking, performance to the extreme. Yeah. So you need more time to recover. Yeah. For gen pop, I would say 0.5 to 1 times as long 
right? So point being is like, if she said she has a long dieting history, let's say it's two years, right? That's a lot of time. If you try to reverse diet for three to five months, it's just not going to happen. Let's say it was a year of a dieting off and on. You need at least six, six months, months yeah. half the time. And you got to be okay with that. And there's yeah. even people I talk to all the time that are like, you know, they get lean. They're not satisfied because they're not lean enough. They're not like shredded. They still have like a little bit on their stomach or whatever it is. So they get out of the diet because they, they dieted as successfully as they could. They get out of the diet and they want to jump right back in to try to keep slashing that off. But I always tell them like, you need to build muscle. Just spend time building muscle because that will make you look better when you cut again. The problem is, is people don't want to wait that long. Yeah. Like even for me, I'm getting impatient, dude. I've been trying to gain weight for six months now. And I think we have like another four to six months to go. It's like, fuck dude. That's like, I want to like, and it's weird that I want to put myself in a diet. Cause that's kind of like a, it's a weird thing to be excited about, Yeah. but I'm excited to get shredded. Yeah. For the results. Yeah. yeah. Um, but head down, gotta be patient. You know, Keep moving I, forward. I think it's one of the, and this is like, honestly, one of the biggest powers of a coach. You know, some people are like, well, I know macros so well. I know how to calculate my macros and all stuff. Coaching goes so far beyond that. Yeah. Like it's support even for myself. Yeah. Uh, last week I didn't train at all. Yeah. Uh, actually for a full week and a half cause of my tattoo, um, I came in and like rode the bike or like I had that one day I did a hundred leg extensions cause I could like sit there and not move <laughs> and just do leg extensions. But, uh, I told my coach, I was like, I feel skinny fat. Like, I think we, we might need to like change things soon because I'm just like, it's, we, we took the gains too far. Like, and I was like, and then at the end of the, like I was typing him how I was feeling about it. And then at the end of it, I was like, take that with a grain of salt. Ask me again after a week of actually training again. And he even said the same thing. He was like, man, I get that way every time I have to skip the gym. So let's wait this week. I already feel better. Yeah. But it's just that's the psychological factor. It is. And it's the psychological things that go on that really fuck with you. So if I didn't have a coach, I would have been like, fuck it. I'm slashing calories because I got too fat. I didn't. I just hadn't had a pump in 12 days. So I like felt flat, you know? Um, But I think it's in it. And I was talking to one of my clients about this and she was, it was almost like she was like, holy shit, like you, that you go through that too. And it's like, absolutely. We all have that shit going on in our heads. But people like this need the support of a coach because they need somebody for lack of better terms to talk them off the ledge. You know what I mean? I think it's a big part of coaching for sure. Guidance. Yeah. So I don't think I have, I mean, what was her question and what would I do? Uh, thoughts on why that, why this happened. If oh, okay. there's something you could do differently. Yeah. I think, I think you just haven't recovered fully. I don't think you've spent enough time recovering. I would spend longer in a maintenance phase, focus on performance, focus on building muscle, focus on health Yeah. and just be patient. It's a long game. Yeah. Like none of this shit happens overnight. Especially if you. That's the hardest part. I think like when I first had that realization was when it was like me and all the guys that used to train together at Vigor like way back um, before Theo was even there, I think. And I was like 19 or 20 and I was dieting, training. I was everything was perfect. I was counting my hours of sleep and I was watching like Luca and Hugh who were just fucking jacked. And they didn't track macros, watch their diet. They uh, wouldn't warm up. They'd like show up late and just start training. They barely got any sleep because they were working so much. And I was like, why are you guys so jacked? And I'm not like, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm doing so much more. Everything I'm doing is more optimal than you. It was like, oh, how long have you been training? Two years straight. It's like, I've been training for 16 straight. It's like, oh, touche. Well, I mean, (laughs) but if you tell that to somebody that's new, 
it's going to take you 16 years to get shredded. It's discouraging. Fuck that. Yeah. And so, and that's what I think, like, I don't even have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the difference, like, it's all about how you word it. Cause I agree hundred percent. And I try to avoid that, but like, I got amazing results the first year I was, I was training. Yeah. But when I started training with those guys, I was comparing my physique to a 16 years in progress physique. And I think that's the problem with social media. People get on social media and they're looking at all these things. They're comparing their lifestyles. They're comparing their family. They're comparing their, there's, there's literally even like with mom bloggers, like I've had this conversation with Shannon because I've talked to her about like, I try to stay away from watching too many, uh, too much on Instagram because I don't want to compare myself. Yeah. Right. Because we all do it. Um, I'm like, I'm just going to focus on my friends, like the people that are motivating. Like, I'm not going to follow these like millionaire fake lifestyles because it's just what, why are you like, why, what's the Mm -hmm. point? Um, and she was like, I feel the same way about there's like mom blogs. Like you see these moms that are posting on Instagram and their house is spotless. Their outfit is always perfect. Their makeup's done. Their kids are dressed up a certain way every day. And I was like, there's no way that those moms are like that every day. No shot. There's no shot. Yeah. But Instagram makes it seem that way. Yeah. That's like even, that's why I posted that thing. Um, uh, talking about work-life balance because like within the last two weeks I got, three or four DMS basically saying like, how do you do it so well? Like you have great family. This is that. And I was like, every time I was like, dude, it's really fucking hard. Like my Instagram shows pictures of Blakely smiling all the time because that those are the cutest pictures I want to share. But that doesn't paint a picture of like the struggle to find work life balance because we all struggle with that. And it's, and and I don't want people to ever see that and and like act as if I'm like on this like pedestal of perfectness. There's no way in hell. Um, work-life balance is the hardest thing, in my opinion, to manage yeah. and figure out. Um, but I think it's important to come out with that stuff because yeah. otherwise we just compare to people. You don't, uh, you don't ever post any videos or anything of her temper, temper tantrums? No, I don't. Oh. I don't. She, she has them though. She, uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> she had one, uh, yesterday. What did I take from her? I took some, it's so crazy, man. Like she's in that, she's, I mean, they call it terrible twos. Yeah. She's t- almost two and a half, mm-hmm. but like she'll reach her hand, like she'll open the drawer and reach her hand for like the knives. And you're like, no. And you like lock it and she just loses it. And you're like, I can't give you the knife. Yeah, no, shot. <laughs> no shot. And she just freaks out. But yeah, it's, it's you're crazy. just going to have to freak out until you're done freaking out. Cause I'm still not giving you that. Dude, that's what it is. Yeah. And you just let them do it. At first, like I was really bad with it because I'm not with her all day. Yeah. So Shannon sees it and she knows like, okay, throw your t- tantrum. I'll like, you know what I mean? Let me know when you're finished. Yeah. I see it. Like I'll come home and and if something happens, I'm like, Oh, come here. Yeah. And I'll like pick her up and I'm like, you're okay. Like kissing her. And Shannon's like, stop. Yeah. You're like <laughs> encouraging her to do that. Cause she gets what she wants from you. It's like, fuck. You're right. She got me wrapped around her fingers. Touche. It's hard. All right. Good. Uh, we're going to go to the next question from Sid, Sid vicious fitness. Favorite ways to grow lagging muscle groups. Asking for my tiny delts. Mm. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. You know who Sid Vicious is? Probably. The real Sid Vicious. Not not her. No. Hers is spelled S-Y-D. I think Sid Vicious really was S-I-D. No. Uh, he's uh, the singer of the Sex Pistols. Interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting name of a band. It's like a hardcore punk band from Europe. Oh, I know Old who they one. are. Yeah. I just would never know. I got in trouble in... 
seventh grade. Wearing a t-shirt? Wearing a Sex Pistols t-shirt. Figured. To school. Teachers, like, you're in middle school. What are you doing wearing a Sex Pistols t-shirt? It's like two words you're not supposed to say. Guns and sex. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Dad bought it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, I used to, uh, yeah, I used to listen to a lot of that punk shit, but. Um, you still do. Yeah, so not so to me, w- what I listen to is not punk. I know what you're talking about. To me, that's like screamo, emo, hardcore. Punk is like, like corn. No, punk's metal, or I mean, corn's metal. Like corn is like very metal. Yeah, just rock metal, not death metal. Um, uh, it's like punk is very fast paced. There's no screaming. It's very fast paced. There's a lot of chanting. So like the chorus will have like. 10 guys or like five guys, whatever band all saying the same thing. So it's like a, it's like a riot, like screaming kind yeah. of thing. Um, very low talent of music. <laughs> yeah. I used to love it and I yeah. still like some of it, but like if you listen to the guitar and the drums and the singing, it's like one chord, just like just over and over and over and over again. They don't do anything else. There's no solo. There's no change of rhythm. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's funny because I used to love it so much. Now that I listen to it, I'm like, you guys really aren't that talented. No. Sorry for any punk fans listening. But <laughs> um, but like screamo and, and hardcore or post-hardcore, they call it, is like a day to remember where you hear it's like good singing or like Silverstein. There it's like go. a good singing. And then all of a sudden he's like has throats. He's like screaming. Yeah. And then it's – yeah. And I listen to more of that now. But – what was Sid Vicious' yeah. question? Sid Vicious, uh, favorite ways to grow the legging muscle groups. Oh, that's right. Her tiny delts. Tiny delts. Uh, hammer them with volume. I mean, that's like hammer. Hammer them. <laughs> volume. Hammer them. Hammer them. Just tons of volume. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Not literally beating. Well, I thought you were talking about like hammer curls, but oh like, no. But like a massive amount of volume. Yeah, because okay. I because I even remember when I first started like. It was my back. My back was always tiny. And I was like, because I never trained it. Yeah. I just couldn't see it in the mirror, so why would I train it? Yeah. But I got a chin-up bar, and I would do 10 chin-ups a day, every day. And at first, I couldn't do 10 consistent chin-ups. So I would do like, you know, a few sets. Then it was like two sets of five. And then it was one set of 10. And then it was like two sets of 10. And I would just do that every single day. But back then, there wasn't these landmarks of volume. So I didn't know that, well, you know, you should be training in like the 20 to 25 sets per muscle group per week to like really push the volume above and beyond for an overreaching phase. But I was probably doing that. I mean, if I'm doing two sets a day, plus my upper lower days, I'm probably hitting 20 to 25 sets per muscle group per week. So in these situations, you can do one of two things. Um, If you want to do like a fifth bro day, it's kind of fun to do that sometimes where you go, all right, I'm going to come in. I'm just going to hit my delts. Like you can do arms on that day too, but like you just come in and do tons of lateral raises, overhead press, front raises, rear delt flies, just three three sixty around your delt. Um, so you can do that on one single day or you could literally go, okay, I'm doing an upper lower split four days a week. I'm going to add three sets of lateral raises on every day. Mm, yeah. So on an upper lower day, you might already be doing that, but on the lower days, you might add in some lateral raises at the end just to work your shoulders. And I've done that before too, and it's nice because you're spreading that volume across the week instead of just hammering it on yeah. one single day. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just volume. So like if, if we have this bell curve of 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week being the average range, 25 being like overreaching for advanced lifters, I would bring most of your volume on the other body parts down to like the 10 to 15 range and then bring your delts up to the like 20 to 25 range. Um, and most of that work should be with lateral raises. Like – whether it's bent over lateral raises for your rear delts, side, front, 
um, just don't want to be doing a ton of overhead pressing. For sure. So it's just kind of like isolating. Yeah. But I think it's simple. It's just, it's literally just volume. Just over volume. Yeah, I used to do that a lot with uh, like anybody who a lot, a lot of people that train with me at Vigor because when you work with a personal trainer in person, it's hard to afford four or five days a week of training. Yeah. So most people were doing like two or three days. So if if most of the women that would come to me are like I want a bigger butt, okay, cool. We're gonna be doing hip thrust three days a week. So yeah. you have full body strength training. We're starting with glute activation. We have hip thrust as an accessory and we undulate the reps. So we have like a six rep day, a 10 rep day and a 20 rep day, um, hip thrust on all three days. And then we have different variations of abductions because the two best ways to hit the glutes are going to be hip extension, like hip thrust and hip abduction, like a seated band yep. abduction or lying, uh, they call it clam raises, clam shells or whatever. Um, like James Fonda yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Um, but doing those through like three times a week. So you do a little bit of volume, but it's every single day. So your total volume within a week is super high. And that worked. I had the before and afters of women that like literally their butt was bigger and lifted as they would lose weight. Dope. Yeah. That's dope. And it's just it's just volume frequently spread throughout the week. Same same way. So there you go. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. Uh, we got next question is from Fit Mama 5 Journey. Interesting. She's a fit mom of five kids, and this is her journey. <laughs> normal to is it normal to be hungry after dieting, even if you're at maintenance or just below? First of all, shout out to you for being on a fit journey and having five kids. Yeah, that's five. Tough. That's tough. Um, not even Can like imagine having one. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Uh, not not even from the sense of like that's a lot. I mean, that's a, that's a lot for your body to go through. Like, yeah. That's honestly the coolest thing about pregnancy to me is like watching the female body change and fucking grow a human. It's During crazy. and after. It's pregnancy. wild. Yeah. But it's hard on your body. But not only that, like sticking to a diet when all your kids want different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. like by the time one gets old enough where they start eating broccoli and shit finally, you have another one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, – but is it normal? If you're at maintenance, no. If you said slightly below maintenance, yes, because you're not at maintenance. Yeah. So I think – you're pro if you're like you said just below maintenance you're probably a little bit further below maintenance than you actually realize and so you're still hungry because you're still in a deficit yep. which means you're still dieting um if you're actually at maintenance you shouldn't have a ton of hunger doesn't mean it'll go completely away because even for me there's days where i'm hungry as hell but i'm in a surplus you know i'm not short on calories so, so that, when, when you're in a surplus and then you go to maintenance it's a lot more of a diff difference exactly than if you're just at maintenance or in a barely a yeah. deficit. I would say there's like a scale, right? Like when you're in a surplus, it's it's not very common. Mm -hmm. You know, if I like if I have a super hard training session and I sleep like nine hours because it's like Friday, I get sleeping on Saturdays, I'm starving yeah. because I've slept longer. I had a super hard training session the night before. Um, so that could have an effect. Stress could have an effect. There's a lot of reasons why it could have an effect. Uh, but it's rare. Maintenance, it's more common, but it's still not going to be like constant. It, if you get hungry, but you can easily restrain from it, it's not an issue. If you're getting hungry and it's like physically hard and mentally hard to not give in to that hunger and that craving, that's when it's an issue. And that's when I would say, you're probably not at maintenance. Yeah. Um, because having some hunger cues when you're at maintenance and you're like, oh, I'm hungry, but it's okay. I'll just drink some water. Like that's normal. Yeah. You know, certain days you're going to be hungrier than others. But when you're in a diet, it's extremely difficult. So I would probably bring calories up higher. You're probably still in a deficit. And like I always tell people too, is like if you're trying to have a certain goal 
and you're kind of teeter-tottering between diets and maintenance and stuff like that, just go all in on the maintenance because the, the more you drag that diet out and the less you put less effort you put into maintenance, even if that's kind of an un- uncomfortable phase, the more you're screwing yourself for the long run. Because if I reverse diet super slow and I drag this diet on and I don't want to go all the way to maintenance because I don't want to gain weight, so I'm just kind of in the deficit, I'm just like prolonging stress and adding to the timeline that I need to be at maintenance before I can diet again which means it's going to be even longer before you can start back up for your goal and your body's going to respond more poorly to when you try to start that diet. Definitely. So maintenance phases are so fucking important, but I think people just need to go all in. Like yeah. if you and know make sure you're at maintenance. Exactly. So yeah. like your your hunger should stop, your sleep should get better. You probably will gain some weight because you're eating more food, so you have more food in you plus that's going to pull more water in. The scale will go up even if you don't gain a single ounce of fat. Um, just cuz you have more food volume. But you need to make sure that you're actually going all in on it. So if your maintenance range is between 1,800 to 2,200, just go right to 2,000. Go right in the middle. See if you feel better if you don't push towards a higher end. But you got to get there. I would rather bring somebody up just barely over and then go, oh, shit, we, we overshot. We're going to pull back, you know, like 300 calories for a couple of weeks and then bump up 100 because we overshot by 200. Yeah. So I'll come way down, not way down, but I'll come below maintenance and then right back up to maintenance because I overshot. I would rather do that than drag somebody along be like, are they still hungry? Are you still hungry? Are you yeah. still stressed? Like, is your like, are you hitting PRs? Are yeah. you progressing in the gym? If you're not getting better in the gym, you are definitely not at maintenance because you should be progressing or your training is really bad. But most people, even with bad training, should get better at that bad training yeah. week after week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I wouldn't say it's not normal, but it's probably not ideal. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Next one is going to be from Mac Performance. Creating an online, creating an amazing online training experience. Mm. I don't know what the question is. Just says creating <laughs> an amazing online. So like how do, how do you, uh, I posted for questions on Instagram. So I'm assuming he just means like how to create. Okay. Yeah. An how, amazing. How, how do you, I'll rephrase that. How do you create an, an amazing online training experience? It's cool that he asked cause I was, that's, he's one of my past clients. Dope. So the fact that he, uh, I mean, he's asking, obviously he had a good experience, you know, um, doesn't hate you, doesn't hate me. (laughs) Um, I think you have to have the tailored coaching method. (laughs) Um, I, but I, but to an extent, I do think that's true. I think, I think the whole tailored part is, is what I'm getting at. Like, I think you, uh, you have to understand the individual. I think you, I honestly think you have to become friends with the client. Like, I want to get to know you. I want to know about your hobbies. I that's want to know whole, about your that's family. That's a hell of a lot different than becoming friends. I know. Getting but to know the client on a personal level. Yeah. Okay. But I want you to feel comfortable sharing things clients, with me. I'm just saying. Okay, sorry. I'm not like hanging out with them. I know. But especially because none of them live here. But but my point is, is like I want you to feel comfortable sharing things with yes. me that you would only share with your friends. For sure. Right? Okay. Um that's when you know you accomplish a good relationship. Yeah. And, and this is just coaching in general, not just training. So in, gen- in general, creating a relationship. 100%. Whether, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest one. Connection. Creating Connection. that relationship. Um, Especially because it's online. Yeah. I think I think you have to have – this applies to both training. I know you said training, but I'm just going to say coaching in general. This, sure. this applies to training and nutrition. I think you have to have an, a, a very methodical approach. Like you have to have a system – you know, one of the biggest, and I know we did a podcast on this, but one of the biggest misconceptions about online coaching is that it's easy. And I think that in-person training is 10 times easier because if you know movement 
I, you're going to get a good workout with me no matter what. I don't care if you come in and I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot you were coming in today. I'll, I'll write a program like that. Yeah. We'll do something. We'll have fun. I can, like, interact with you and make it exciting. But for me to give you instructions and for you to have a good experience on your own, completely different. Yeah. I have to be so much more well thought out and methodical of the instructions I'm giving you to not only make sure that you understand it and you can do it correctly, yeah. but that it works. And and descriptive and detail oriented. 100%. Because you're not sitting there with them. Exactly. And and I don't want you to have to email me 27 times to figure out what to do. Exactly. I will answer 27 emails, but if you have to, that means I didn't explain it correctly the yeah. first time, right? So, so I think having a system, having a method, um, it's, it's honestly why our team works so well is because this, this system and method that I created, I was able to teach them and they're able to, able to use it together as like a unit, yep. you know what I mean? And we can all do the same thing the same way and get the same result no matter who's working with us. hundred percent. Um, which is why for us, it's the, the clients that get paired with what coach is a hundred percent about personality. It's like all the coaches know the exact same systems, methods, strategies. They're all going to get the best results that any of us would. 100%. However, each each coach on the team is different, right? They all have different quirks. They have all different personalities, different energy, different vibes. They work better with different people. So I pair people based on that. And I think it goes back to the relationship building thing. It makes that process easier for them. Definitely. But I think the relationships and connection, I think building, having some kind of system and method. Um, and then I think uh, understanding how to deliver it professionally. There's a lot of online coaches that like they'll send you your programming and your diet in one word doc that yeah. you can edit or it's like an email and it's just like all written in the email thread. So you got to go search for the email. It's like, no, we're sending you fucking guides and PDFs and sheets and forms and systems. Like it needs to look prestige. Like it needs to look legit. Do you send, do you send people their program on a weekly basis? Uh, it depends on the client. Okay. So what if something changes after, you know, seven days? So that was my next point was like, use something like true coach. Like that's why we use true coach and the tech trainer. It's editable yeah. by me, not yeah. the client. But yeah, like if with, even with my individual clients, uh, like, Hey, hit the squat today, tweaked my back. Yep. No worries. Get on my computer, change tomorrow's training session based on what that feedback yeah. is. Um, or, or on a weekly uh, check-in sheet, their bio. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Exact same thing. We can change volume. We can change intensity to make sure they recover better. Um, and like True Coach is just a cool deliverable. You know, yeah. like when you when you work with us, you get a True Coach app that has our logo on it. So you go to your phone, you see the TCM logo, you click on it, and it's training programs with videos of me doing it. Yep. So it's like a cool virtual experience. So I think to have a really good online training experience you have to invest a lot of money and time into building systems and having a methodical approach you have to have some kind of software that's going to deliver cool things and just make it exciting to do like i hate when i I worked with people in the past that literally would just write up what they want me to do in an email and there's like dude that is like so half-assed it also i agree with you but i also think i don't know when that was that might have been the only way to do it at that time when, I mean, oh no, not that long ago. Okay. Cause I remember getting that from people that I looked up to that I started working with while I was already building a team. Okay. Okay. Right. So, okay. um, and it's just, some people are just old school. Some people are Touché. like into in their like point. Sometimes, you know, they don't, it, they don't want to grow in that way. Yeah. They yeah. don't want to change. Yeah. And 
It doesn't matter what it looks like, just what gets you results. Yes. I get that. Okay. But I'm going to follow something that's fucking cool yeah. way better. Yeah. Like I want it to look cool. I want it to be a cool – this is the Exciting. whole point of an experience. Yes. You know, do you have a better time at the $2 movie theater or the movie theater where you have the reclining chairs in leather seats? Yep. No question. Yep. Right? And I get to pick my seat before I even get there? Yeah. I mean, I don't think movie theaters will be around by the time this ends, but I'm pretty sure AMC already shut down. Crazy. What? AMC, movie theaters. Let me shut down. I'm pretty sure they went bankrupt. What? Because of quarantine. That's what I heard. I heard that a while ago. Whoa. So unless they got fund funding, because even Gold Gym yeah. filed for bankruptcy. They closed down. Now they're Ouch. trying to get funding. 24-hour fitness, same thing. Ouch. All those gyms that have millions of dollars in real estate and lease to pay, and then all their members cancel or freeze because there's no personal connection. Yeah. There's no reason for... The yeah. people you can't use the facility. Yeah. That's what you're paying for. Dude, they should join the Taylor Trainer. <laughs> they should join the Taylor <laughs> Trainer. We work with you no matter where you're at. Yeah. Um, but in your living room. Okay, and that's dude. That's actually a good point. Yeah, Are you malleable? Yeah. Like, and that's the like being tailored means we're flexible. You know, like people. I get questions all the time. People email in and be like, "Hey, I am a 30 year old mom. Who doesn't have too much experience lifting, but I did CrossFit for a bit. Is the Taylor Trainer right for me?" Yes, it is. Hey, I'm a 50-year-old golfer. I, I just want to be moving better. Is this for me? Yes. Hey, I'm a 25-year-old dude that just wants to build muscle. Yes. And it's just like, yes, 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 yes. It's, it's for everybody. Yeah. Because we change it. Yep. It's flexible to you. And that's the whole point of being tailored. tailored. Um, I'm 100% going to get tailored tatted. Dope. Yeah. I'm already set on it. Dope. I, I, like, part of me wants to do my knuckles and yeah. just ride across them because it fits perfectly. But... I don't think I have A I L O R E D E E D E E D Sorry E D T lead I thought you said uh R E D T A I L O R E D No thumbs Oh yeah no thumbs you never do your thumbs I mean you could do your thumbs but you go like this Oh touche Yeah unless you got like the thumb tips Whoa I I don't think I have Where do you work <laughs> just show them the nuts. I don't think I have the guts to get my knuckles tatted quite yet, but yeah, um, I'll put tailored somewhere else. But um, I actually I don't even. Oh, I did. Did you see that post I did about uh, why I'm obsessed with the word yep. tailored? I hundred percent like it's it's. I think it's the coolest thing, man. Yeah, I think it, it applies is. to everything in your life. But I think it creates an experience, man. In in my one of my goals with creating tailored coaching method as a brand was actually to almost create a buzzword for other people, like. There's billions of people that need help with personal development and fitness. So I want people to learn our tailored coaching method and be able to do it in their own way yeah. because the industry as a whole needs to be tailored, period, because that's what gets people good results. It's how you build connections. It's how you make it flexible. It's how you do all these things, make it sustainable. Um, but yeah, I think those are the big things, relationship and connections, having a methodical approach, uh, and then having like... A, a cool user experience with software and systems and stuff like that to make sure it's legit. I think it comes down to experience, man. Yeah. There's so many aspects into that, but you know, even if it's not paying a little bit more, but it's, it, it's whatever you have to offer, make it an experience for them. Yep. I, I mean, I can say this with such confidence now because man, in a few months it'll be 10 years. Cause, yeah. I, cause I started training people when I was 18 Yeah. and I turned 28 in two weeks. Crazy. Dope. A decade. Do you, do you like remember when you started at Bigger or when you started? At Bigger, I was uh, almost started, 19. You'll be 29? 
and I'll be 28. I started training people before bigger though. Um, I started training people at the college at Highline and at SLMS. I used to train people in that field, do like conditioning stuff. And then some people like friends at Vision Quest and stuff like that. But I graduated high school at 17 and then I changed my degrees like uh like early into college which is why i said in a few months it won't be right when i turn 28 because i think i changed in the fall so i probably need another like three to five months before it's actually a decade but so like let's give it october yeah yeah something like that and that's when i because at the school you have to do two internships one internship is internal so i actually had to train people on campus and then the next one was external which was that bigger sick but that's crazy man a decade a long time yeah is it though i mean it's really not because i can easily see myself having another decade in this absolutely i i hope so yeah 38 for my own self <laughs> 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 um all right dope uh next question is gonna be from e shoop 96 says tips for building muscle or body recomp at maintenance we're gonna link write this down we're going to link, because uh, I always forget, body composition blog. We did a podcast and a blog all on body recomp. Um, so we'll link that so you can check it out because that's that one's super – I mean, I, I go through everything. But I think tips for it is going to be – this is where I think the things that are like – that come later on down the road on the pyramid, like the 1% differences, like supplementing with creatine, better nutrient timing, uh, implementing some chrononutrition where you're maybe putting more of your calories in the morning to like optimize your circadian rhythm, um, really getting detailed with your training program design, getting enough sleep, optimizing your hormones with supplementation and different things. Like that's where all that stuff comes in. Like if somebody comes to me like, Hey, I want to build muscle at maintenance. It's as easy as like, okay, just eat at maintenance and just train really smart, you know, and time your nutrition. It's really easy. But if somebody's like, I want to lose fat at maintenance, that's when I'm like, all right, we're going to take every little tiny detail. Like I want a systemized meal plan. I want you to have your meal spaced out, digestion on point, enough sleep. Um, I still don't think that's as useful as I think people do that because they want to stay lean so bad. But I, I would rather have somebody just, hey, just go and fucking cut, get cut and then reverse, go into a lean gaining phase, just cycle back and forth. It's easier on your body um, and it's a faster progress. Like recomposition takes a long time. So if you're cutting at maintenance, like it's so slow. So you're like taking a year to get lean, right? Like, whereas if you're doing cutting and bulking, you can get lean in three months, bulk for six, cut for three. You've done two cycles before a year even hits up. Mm. Um, well, that is a year, but I, yeah, for building muscle, it's easier though. Cause building muscle, it's, it's a training stimulus. So I would say, Hey, like make sure your supplementation and meal time is on point and then just have a really good training program. Yeah. But for a recomp, like losing fat while being eating at maintenance, I think you have to get really detailed with maybe even cycling calories, nutrient timing, supplementation, sleep, training, cardio, steps throughout the day, stuff like that. Like all the nitty gritty stuff that people say, it doesn't really matter Just hit your calories. It does matter in this case. For sure. Dope. So, uh, yeah, read that blog. Um, next one's from Taylor 15. Just heard your seven traits to highly successful people. Is a nighttime routine important? Ah, uh, po- opposed to a morning routine. I used to think so. I think it is if you ch- have trouble with sleep. Um, if you have trouble with sleep, like I think. A, like an unwind? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
some people like a nighttime routine because they wake up for work too early. Like if somebody's like, I got to leave for work by five. I'm like, hey, don't worry about a morning routine. Like you're journaling, you're reading, your uh, meditation, all that stuff. Do that later on. Do that in the afternoon before bed. Like that's totally fine. Um, you're basically just taking your morning routine and putting it at night. But it's really just important because it's a daily routine. Yeah. It's something you're doing every single day to make sure you're improving yourself. Your personal development. Yeah. Um, but I think a morning routine is more valuable because you're doing it to prepare for all the things you're going to do in the day. Yeah. When you do a morning routine, you're setting yourself up for success for the rest of the day. When you're doing a nighttime routine, you're really just trying to sleep better. So I think some for some people meditation, but maybe reading instead of watching TV, maybe taking some sleep supplements, maybe taking a contrast shower. So cold and hot right before you jump in bed, like lights down, maybe like a, a nighttime journal gratitude before you go to bed, like stuff like that. I think it can be helpful, but only if you struggle to sleep. Like I used to struggle with insomnia. So like I just would, I would, dude, I could never turn off my brain to fall asleep. So I used to do a nighttime routine every night because it was the only way that I could sleep. But now I never do. Because yeah, well, wouldn't some of the point of the nighttime or the nighttime routine also be to prepare for the next day? Like essentially in the morning, oh, yeah. a morning routine would be to prepare for that day. A nighttime routine could could be. When I say could be, let me explain. Is that they could be doing this nighttime routine just like the morning, but for the next day, but. I think a majority of people, and I'm speaking for myself, is that after you do that nighttime routine, in the morning, you're you're not wound up or, or charged up for that day like you do a morning routine. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's because yeah. you just did eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what was that nighttime routine? You yeah. Know? Like you can think of it and you can remember, but it's not the same feeling as if you do a morning routine and get ready for that day for that next hour hour yeah you know you got eight hours in between there where you're like all right yeah your body's resetting i get that and i think i think it's and if i think about it, i kind of do a little bit of a nighttime routine like i do a brain dump every yeah. night so basically take this piece of paper on my desk write out all the shit i gotta do tomorrow because otherwise i'll lay down and go what do i gotta do and i'll start thinking yeah. about everything write it all out write up what it's on my mind so it's on paper and then i get all my clothes in bag and everything ready for the morning like that way when i wake up it's all right there, ready, right? Like pants, shirt, socks, just put it all on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, in a way, that's a nighttime routine because I don't have to think about what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I don't have for to sure. do any of that. And it's easier in the morning. Yep. But I think, like, but if, it, but for people, like the other aspect, if people are replacing their morning routine, right. they're doing their nightly routine to, for what they did all day. Exactly. I don't think it's as effective, but Correct. I think it's more effective than skipping it because some sure. people. I, if you have to wake up at four thirty and immediately go to work, I get it. Yeah. I wouldn't do it either. Yeah. So, I don't think it's I don't think it's crucial. I also think, man, I'm just not. I'm just being a negative Nancy now. But if I get up at four thirty in the morning to go to work, I'm be so damn tired after work to do it again. But yeah. that also, just if you're so damn tired after work and getting ready for bed, then you shouldn't be doing your nightly routine to to go to sleep if you're already tired you should be doing it for what you did all day yeah you know just do it before you pass out yeah reflecting and doing all that stuff then. absolutely yeah i agree i think that's good i guess just fit it in as what as whatever way you can yeah anytime i think at the end of the day it's just personal development yeah if you're doing some kind of personal development i don't care yeah. like when i teach clients morning routines i always say like hey by the way if i don't care if you do this at your lunch break i don't care uh -uh. if you do this at night like whatever works for you. Like, for example, I was just going to ask that. <laughs> I used to think meditation, like meditation is part of my morning routine. I never meditate in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I'll just fall asleep. Mm 
I just woke up. I'm tired as hell. I'm going to meditate. I'll just literally pass out on the couch and then I'm like not productive. Mm -hmm. So for me, lunchtime, I always meditate. Mm -hmm. Like almost always. Like I don't know if you ever see on the camera. I just like lay on the middle of the floor and meditate in here. I don't know why I have to lay on the floor. At at home, I do that too. I'll go lay on my office floor and the closet floor. (laughs) I can't be in a better Only only on Mondays. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't see laying down today. not not today, no, yeah. not today, because you've been here. But um, I I think you can adjust it based on that for sure. Like I do some of mine in the morning, I do some of mine in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's totally dependent on the person. So that's I mean that's what I was gonna ask for. Like people have a normal desk job or whatever, you know. But if if they get up at you know too early to do it in the morning, you know they can do it during their lunch break. Yeah, you know, or during a time they have by themselves at work or something. Yep, absolutely. And they're not too tired before work and not too tired when they get home. Yeah. All right. Next question is going to be from uh, King Cable 867 Tips on ways to safely max out. Um, the first question you have to ask yourself is why? why are you maxing out? Because I think a lot of people. Ego? Definitely ego <laughs> for some people. I think, But I think also it's like the only – way they know how to gauge progress. You know what I mean? Did I get stronger? Well, I got to test my one rep max. Yeah. There's a million ways to see if you're stronger without doing that. Um, test your four rep max. 100%. Yeah. Like, I think I've tested the three and five rep max and even an eight rep max more than ever I've ever tested a one rep max with people. Because actually, if you do a eight rep max dumbbell bench press, I think that's a better testament of uh, chest growth than a one rep max bench press, 100%. Um, granted, if your goal is strength, not growth, then one to three rep range would be smart. Um, but I would also say too, you can like one of the, okay. So like the safest ways, like if, if you're like, yeah, like it's not ego, I just, I, I want to get strong. And that's important to me. Cause I get that. Cause I test mine every like three or so months, uh, bench squat and deadlift. If, if you're going to do that, don't go to failure. Like unless you have a spotter, right? Like I went to failure last time because CJ was here. Um, and it's in, in don't like, I would stop at like 90, maybe 95% because submaximal efforts are going to give you just as much strength from a result perspective as a hundred percent max effort, yeah. except it's, it's gonna, less dangerous. It's going to be a hundred percent more safe, <laughs> way more safe, um, less likely to get injured and you're going to recover faster to be able to go to the gym again. Cause gotcha. if you do a one rep max on Monday, what are you just not going to lift for another week? Yeah. You're probably going to be in there the next day or the day after you want to be recovered. Yeah. Um, so it's not worth it. However, sometimes obviously you want to push it. Like I did my one rep max bench not that long ago, a few weeks ago and CJ was here. So I had 275 and it was good. And he was like, dude, throw two and a half on there. You can do 280. And I was like, I think I can Dude, I couldn't even get off my chest. Yeah. It was like, oh shit. And he had to get, so like if I was like by myself and I was like, man, I felt good. Let me put a little bit more on just two and a half pounds. Yeah. I would have been crushing on the bar. Yeah. And then, like, and I've done that in my garage, and I'm just stuck with the bar on my chest, and I'm like, fuck. And I have to roll underneath it or, or roll it down. It off the side or... But the clips were on. Oh. Yeah. I never put clips on after that yeah. when I got stuck in the garage because I was by myself. Yeah. No one was home. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, doing a submaximal is probably the safest. If, if you're less concerned about strength and you just want a way to test performance, go with a three, five, or eight rep max, depending on your goal, or an AMRAP test. So you, you can pick a weight. Uh, I mean, depending on the lift, like if it's a deadlift, put your body weight on the bar. Squat, you could put the body weight on the bar. Bench, you might not be able to do that. But there's ways you can look up AMRAP testing and you can put, you know, 50% of your one rep max, 75% of your one rep max, whatever it is, 
and you just do as many reps as you can. Yep. In three months, see how many reps you can do in a row with that same weight and yeah. the same circumstance. If you can squeeze out a few more reps, you probably got stronger. Yeah. And you probably built some muscle because if you didn't, you wouldn't have been able to do more. Yeah. Um, and that's way safer because if I get stuck under 175 pounds on the bar, that's completely different than 275. You know what I mean? So, um, I would go with the AMRAP. I think AMRAPs are better for testing uh, RPE and stuff too because some people don't know how to gauge their RPE. But if you do an AMRAP test, you can see how many reps you got to failure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, okay. Would it be, would it be too much to do an AMRAP test after each, whatever you want to call it, section of your program or every, you know, like it, for programming, I've always had uh, six weeks. Yeah. You know, like you said three months. Oh, like every six weeks? Yeah. No, I think that's fine. Yeah. yeah. One rep max, I'd be like, eh. Well, but, yeah. But AMRAP, I think, is fine. Because yeah. one rep max, not only is it more dangerous, it's more neurologically fatiguing. So go. as a whole, you're going to be more fatigued. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and you, I mean, I used to even do like uh, five, three, one programs where you would go, I mean, you've done one of those with me, five reps, week one, three reps, yeah. yep. week two, and then week three is five, three, one. Yep. We used to do that, and then we'd always add a fourth set. And the fourth set would be, back to the first percentage, but like five plus. So let's say I did five reps at 65%, 75%, 85%. Then I go back down to 65% and I max out as many reps as I can. Hmm. So if I do that for three weeks and then I come back to the five rep on week four or five after a deload, I can test that same exact AMRAP with that 65% of my one rep max. And then I'll know, did this program literally get me stronger? Gotcha. And that's not too fatiguing by any means. No. And I used to do that with bench squat, overhead press, and deadlift every week. Damn. So love it. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. We got one more question today. Uh, it's from Mindy Munter. Can a woman my age, I am 47 years old, lose body fat? Okay. Can they lose body fat, build or maintain muscle without screwing up hormones and health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but how, but how I, uh, with a tailored doctor coaching Burrow. approach. <laughs> no, I think, uh, don't, don't call me doctor. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, yes. I think some people will be like, age isn't a factor. I'll be the first one to be real. It is a factor. Absolutely. It does matter. As you get older, hormones slow down, metabolism slows down. It's a fact. Yeah. Um, some people would argue that the reason your metabolism slows down is not because your age, but because of how your lifestyle is as you age. There you go. And I would agree with that. I mean, that could very well be it because, you know, as you get older, maybe you move less because your joints are more taxed or because you have a desk job now. Yeah. You're not running around. Um, your kids moved out, so you're not playing with your kids anymore. Whatever it may be. But nonetheless, it's on average, metabolism slows down as we age. Yep. So, um, you can absolutely still lose weight. It's just that like a lot of times people use the same type of formula. Like I'm going to create a deficit for this 27 year old female who wants to lose five pounds. And then I'm going to use that same one for the 47 year old or 67 year old female who wants to lose 10, 15, 20 pounds. It's completely different people with completely different activities, with completely different bodies, completely different age and completely different goals. Yeah. So you shouldn't calculate their calories and macros the same way that you did that person. Um, a lot of times you have to go into a deeper deficit because they're probably not training as hard. They prob they don't have as great of a muscle protein synthesis uh, response because they're older. So you might have to increase protein more and drop calories even lower because as you age and metabolism slows down, we need to dive into the diet deeper. So I think the key really is honestly just having a good periodized approach. You can use diet breaks to help with the psychological factor, but for hormones, it's really just going to be like, hey, 
Let's spend 12 weeks dieting pretty hard, get as much as we can out of it. Then we're going to take four to six weeks off. Then we're going to jump back in it for 12 weeks and we're going to repeat this cycle in a periodized manner until we get to your end goal. Yeah. And you'll get there. It's just a lot of people don't think that way. Yeah. Especially Jim Pop. And I don't blame them. Did you, uh, you they don't do this. bring protein up, drop calories. Yeah. For hormones? No, not for hormones, but because – so two reasons. One, if calories are lower, uh, the lower your calories get, the more likely muscle loss is huh. um, and, uh, and hunger goes up, right? Yeah. Protein is the most satiated nutrient, and if we have extra protein, we're more likely to maintain muscle on a cut. On top of that, as we age, muscle loss happens. You atrophy muscle as you get older. It's just part of it. How do we combat that? Extra protein. Um, the muscle protein synthetic response, so the actual response – you get from protein when you eat protein and your body sends a signal to build muscle, that response dampens as you get older. So as you get older, you actually need more protein to trigger that response. Like for a young, healthy individual, like 20 to 25 grams of protein, you'll be fine in a meal. But as you get older, that might have to go up. So I will typically prescribe protein a little bit higher uh, on their daily intake than I would a young, younger individual. Um, And then the calories being lower is just because if they're getting older and their metabolism is slowing down, we're probably going to have to dig calories a little bit lower in order to get to the goal they want to get to. True. That makes sense? Absolutely. Dope. All right. Yeah, that's the last question today. So, uh, yeah. That was good. Is I it? think uh, I actually answered those in more depth than I thought they were going to be. Some of them were really simple. I like the Instagram <laughs> questions. Yeah. Because it's kind of – not because it's easier for you to read, <laughs> but uh, that helps. Yeah. But it's it's cool too because you can't be too specific, you know what I mean, with like one little box. So it kind of lets me have free range and kind of take it in different directions yeah. versus just – Big, long answer guy. I'm a huge, long answer guy. Did you Were you listening <laughs> yes. to my interview earlier? <laughs> I was going to say it. God, they asked me one question. It's like 20 minutes later. I'm like, I know that's a long answer, but what was the question? <laughs> uh, they loved it. All right. See you next week. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here, and I'll see you next time.